The Athletic. MM stands for Mick McCarthy, not Merlin Magician. Evans will hit it all! That is special! It's magic at Molyneux! Dreaming is for free. Hello and welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and the Sheriff of Stafford, who happens to write about Wolves for the Athletic, Tim Spears. All right, Bab? What all right, Bab? How about me? I'm all right, Bab. Now, what happens when you have a Johnny but no Willie? A clean oh sheet, God. of course. A third in five. What is this carry-on podcast? <laughs> is that rude? A bit rude. Hey-ho, it's true. A back five, no goals conceded, none scored either. So what did Nuno learn? And how are they going to stop James Ward-Prowse scoring his fancy free kicks in the next two games against Southampton? We have a special guest on the pod this week, a senior voice from inside the club. It's Matt Wilde, General Manager of Football Operations, who's earned himself promotion since he was last on the Molyneux View. And yes, we're taking all the credit. Matt will be telling us how the club is being run and what the challenges are during this income and fan-starved pandemic. Now, to read Tim's words on the walls, you must be a subscriber, so hop on board the Athletic Fun Bus for just three ninety nine a month for the first six months. That's just a pound a week, and you can listen on the Athletic app without any adverts, although you'd miss some cracking ad reads, hey Tim? Especially the ones you did last week, which hopefully they'll use again this week. Um, have you bought yourself a, a Manscaped lawnmower yet? <laughs> I've had a Don't great trim. I'll, I'll tell you all about it later. <laughs> You've had a bit of feedback on your ads, haven't you? I, 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 I can't believe you've already descended into debauchery and innuendo. Ten seconds in. I used to think of you as a very kind of professional, distinguished broadcaster, but you've, you've slowly debunked that myth every single week since we joined forces. Slowly? I thought it happened quite quickly, but no, <laughs> it might have been slower than you thought. Anyway, to the match on Sunday, Wolves with another clean sheet. And after that horrific experience of the Albion game a few weeks ago, in which it felt as though Wolves fans had kind of jumped out of an aeroplane and were free-falling. Now it feels as though the parachute has been opened and we're able to breathe a sigh of relief again. Johnny's back and it feels as though there are signs that the old Wolves are back. Is that fair? The old Wolves, yeah, it did It did feel like the old Wolves. I mean, I know, I know it finished nil-nil, but I mean, it always does against Leicester, right? It's... it's um... Four out of the last six have been nil-nil. It's either nil-nil or a 4-3. It's that or 4-3, Bab. It's that or 4-3. Exactly. Yeah. I thought in terms of an all-round game, from defence to attack, it was the best performance definitely of the calendar year and one of the best of the season. It was a very even game. The two teams looked similar in quality and since Leicester are still an outside bet for the title, that, that's a big compliment to Wolves, I think, You know, rather than Leicester having a bad day because I didn't think Leicester played too badly. You know, Wolves have been horrendous for two or three months, so, so to look like they're on the same level footing as Leicester I thought that was that was really really positive and it wasn't the most fascinating game for the neutral I've seen a lot of comments on, on my timeline saying how boring it was but I, th- I thought it was a pretty decent game and there was lots of good build at play from both teams I thought Wolves did well uh, against the fluid movement of Madison and Barnes you know two absolutely fantastic players and on the flip side Leicester kind of kept William Jose in check and Justin did pretty well against Trailway for the most part and they tried to keep Neto in check with two players on him, but he just beat them both every time. He was he was phenomenal. When you've got Liam Gallagher tweeting he wants Man City to sign him, then you know he's, he's getting national attention now. So I was really pleased and, yeah, very even game. I think 13 shots apiece, but only four on target in total, one for Wolves and three for Leicester, which kind of tells the story of 
Two decent teams, like I said, decent build at play, but no killer finish, stunted by two very good defences, of which Wolves' was outstanding. And how much of a difference do you think Johnny made? Because we weren't expecting him to start, were we, by any stretch? I had an inkling, I have to say, because um, he'd been in training for a while, Nuno was talking positively about him, and Wolves were tweeting all sorts on Thursday, Friday, about, oh, the pack is strong and everything's great and all this, even though... Um, Little clips of him training and looking Yeah, good, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it just felt so familiar. It felt so familiar. I'm so impressed with how he slotted back in. You know, I, th- I think you speak to any former player who's had an ACL injury, A, for it to come back after six months and one day, and B, to slot in and play so well. We've seen six players play in that position this season, um, either left-back or left-wing-back. They are, and I'm going to forget one here, but they are Fernando Marcel, Ruben Vinagra, Ryan Aitnori, Nelson Semedo, Romain Saiz, and Max Kilman. And none of them have played as well defensively as Johnny Castro-Otto did on his return after six months out with no competitive time at all, with an ACL. That's a phenomenal kind of tribute to, to him and his professionalism. It felt so familiar. It felt comforting. It felt warm. Uh, it's like when you drive home to visit your family home, you know, and go and see your folks. You're driving through Womburn, through the village green. It's just, oh, it's so familiar. You know, it's like you when you go back to Codsall. Oh, I want to go back to Codsall. Oh, don't. You're making me all homesick. They've got the, they've got the bunting and the red carpet out. The Queen's coming home. <laughs> You know, it's just that, oh, it's, it's you know, f- feeling of familiarity. And that's how it felt with Johnny. You're literally making me really homesick for my old mum now. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I want to go give her a big cuddle. No, it looked like he'd never been away. And also, apart from just the, the assuredness that he offered at left wing back, I also felt that he offered a lot to Neto. And we know what he's been doing pretty much, you know, as a 20-year-old kid in his first full season as a starter every week. The onus has been on him in an attacking sense, and of course he works back as well. But having Johnny behind him, it just made you feel that, A, he's got a, a bit more security in terms of the defensive work behind him, a bit more freedom for him to go and express himself. But also he's got somebody who's going to give him the ball, the one-twos. That was really promising as well. Well, we saw Johnny, you know, we talk a lot about Jimenez and Jota's partnership over the over the previous two seasons, but but Jotty, Jotty, that's what I'm going to call him. It's like Brad and Angelina. Jotty, as I call them as a pair, Johnny and Jota, were brilliant together. They had a great understanding. Lots of one-twos, lots of gives and goes, lots of getting Jota upfield with Johnny's help. And yeah, looking forward to see how their partnership develops. Slightly different characteristic in that, of course, Neto's left-footed, whereas Johnny and Jota, both right-footed, but still managed to strike up, like I said, what was a very effective partnership. They were great on the counter-attack together. So you're absolutely right. Got to pay tribute to the whole defence, really. Uh, I thought Kilman made such a good recovery from that nightmare against Arsenal. I mean, he was he was embarrassed that night, you know, he, he really was. So to recover from that, I thought Dendonka was really good. Johnny and Dendonka, uh, neither of them have played in the Wolves' defence this season. And they both slot in like that. And I, I wrote about them last season, actually, how they're both kind of 7 out of 10 every week. You know what you're going to get and every team needs them. And they've missed Johnny so much. They've probably missed Johnny more than Jimenez this season, really. When you look at the difference he made yesterday, it's been such a weakness for Wolves at left-back. So, yeah, the defence was great. Neves in front of them was really good as well. And, yeah, we should point out to anyone who didn't see on social media that um, that Johnny coming off at half-time was very much pre-planned. Nuno said after the game it was always the plan for him to play 45 minutes. 
he said if we play him for more than 45 minutes we start to get in a risky area where we where we can't we can't kind of control what will happen at that point so yeah and he was he was I saw him doing a warm down after a full time on the pitch and he looked fine he looked comfortable so hopefully he'll build his game time up now I don't know if we'll see him at Southampton in the cup on Thursday maybe that's one we'll see him out or but the next time we see him I, I suppose we'll see him play 60 70 minutes as he gradually builds up his fitness but in terms of performance I mean Iosi Perez he didn't have a shot he didn't touch the ball in the penalty area he did absolutely nothing of note. I know he's not their best player, but still, he just kept him completely quiet like it was absolutely nothing. So, uh, fantastic to have him back. Yeah, you were on fire with your article that I read this morning. People should have a little read about that, about who's <laughs> left back situation. Um, yeah, you, you had thawed out, <laughs> and so did your comedy genes thawed out as well. People should have a little read of that. Um, that was the positives about the defence. I don't want to dig this guy out every week, but Samedo? <sighs> He was just Samedo, really. Uh, I wasn't particularly. He he does he does lose the ball on occasions that he really shouldn't. I and mean, I sent you a little clip where the, there was a good ball into him, I think, from Cody. And I don't want to keep harping about well, if Doherty had been there, but if Doherty had been there, he would have controlled it and created something out of that. Instead, he completely miscontrolled it. it ended up being a chance for Leicester, and he he did that a few times. And he does have to tighten up. Don't want to bang on about it, but. You just want to see him improving every week, really. Injury gods, Tim, they're not smiling kindly on Wolves, are they? I would just say quickly about Samedo, improving every... Uh, it's hard to see improvement every single week, but I think you can see an improvement from when he first joined defensively, right? And and probably a little bit more going forward as well. He's not as bad as he was in those first few weeks, in my opinion. And, and yes, he set quite a low standard. I think what, what you want from Samedo is for the positives to outweigh the negatives, I think he's always going to be a bit dopey. I, I think he was like this at Barcelona. You know, we know he's got a mistake in him. But if he's offering so much going forward that it maybe outweighs those negatives or with his pace or positional play, then you could say, okay, fair enough. But at the moment, he's not quite adding enough to the team to justify that fee, really. Um, but he, ha- he has got better for me overall in the past kind of two months or so. You're putting it politely there when somebody who costs... 35 to 37 potentially ultimately million pound and is mature he's not a kid when you're saying well as long as his positives outweigh the negatives that is being really kind but anyway injuries bolly hamstring out for the next few weeks pedence out again are these aggravations of the same injuries they had especially bearing in mind that bolly's a hamstring or are they completely fresh injuries were they brought back too soon perhaps i'm not sure if it's the same leg as you say bolly's done his hamstring again only just kind of back from that. Pedenza, I believe, is a separate injury. But you do wonder if all these things are linked, seeing as you know, these players aren't injury-prone anyway. And it's an issue, and this won't be the last injury they have this season, judging on the records. You know, it's a, it's a better situation than it was a few weeks ago, for sure. Marcel is very close to being back, I gather. Johnny's back. Saïs was back on the bench at the weekend. So if Marcel does come back in the next kind of couple of games or so, they're down to three players out, which is, and I think they were at seven a few weeks ago. So it is easing. But like I said, the way they're going, they're going to get more injuries as the season goes on. It's the same for every team. And the teams that are dealing best with that this season and best with injuries and best with no pre-season and everything that kind of came with that, the teams that deal best with that are going to do better as the season goes on. And Wolves have suffered from not having a big enough squad. Pretty simple, really. So um, they've just got to hope they, they can get through this season with as few more injuries as possible in the next three months. And then um, after the Euros, if that's because they had, then some of them can have a proper 
final belated break. A lot of positives in terms of clean sheets of late, especially against the likes of Chelsea away and now Leicester home. Back five worked against Leicester, you could say, especially bearing in mind they did create chances. No, they only had the one on target and should have scored from it. We'll come on to that in a second. But what do you think Nuno's now thinking in terms of his dilemma that he openly admitted he had with the with the safety of the back five versus the attacking options of the back four it doesn't it doesn't go away it there are no he loves answers solutions there aren't any it's the same problems every single game you play 3-4-3 the defense looks good but you're not scoring you look at the last four games they played 3-4-3 against Chelsea nil nil against Palace nil one against Leicester nil nil there's one goal in three games there and that was for the opposition and then they, they play four at the back against Arsenal. They should have been 4-0 down after half an hour and they managed to score two themselves, albeit that against 10 men. But, the, but they look better in attack against Arsenal. You've got to say, they did either side of half-time, they look pretty good going forward. So it's the same conundrum, really, in terms of end product, because they were better. It was a better, much better all-round performance against Leicester. But still, in terms of end product, goals scored and conceded, it's the same old problem. But I think he'll stick with three at the back for now because it's um, it's got him a foot in and the defensive record has gone from conceding eight in three to two in four. So that's a, a marked improvement. Like I said, they're also scoring fewer, but we know Nuno as a manager um, all about organisation and clean sheets first and foremost. So I think this is the path that they'll continue down for now um, and just try and improve how they get bodies upfield. William Jose's got a big part to play in that. I thought he had an ineffective game against Leicester, which you can you can excuse him. He's still very new in the country and it's a, a lot of games in a short space of time. He's done very well so far. But that's the next step in their improvement now is keeping this defensive rigidity while adding more goals. And we know how well Neto and Traore are playing. The amount of balls that go across the face of goal that are, that are wasted it happens at least once a game. A really good ball across the six-yard box, usually from Neto, sometimes from Traore. That they don't score, so that's the kind of you know that's and I, I know we're asking a lot of Jose. We're asking him to be a hold-up player with his back to goal and link play and score goals. And you can say that's too much to ask for him, but he does all of the good team stuff. But when it comes in the box, he's just he's just not reacting quick enough. So that's what they've got to get out of him. And like I said, it's very early days for him and getting on his teammates' wavelengths. But it's happening every single game. So that's something they've got to learn on for him to react to those balls coming across the box and, and get a few tap-ins because they are there. It feels a bit like when Traore and Neto are trying to find him. It's like an old analogue radio when you're trying to tune in BBC WM and you're picking up Signal and a bit of Radio 4 and all you want to hear is WM goal horn. It's a goal, it's going to work well. Ian Winter. Harking back to the olden days. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get the impression that will come, but it, it has been frustrating. And poor Traore, look at his stats, aren't great in terms of assists. And we know he hasn't scored for a year and a couple of months. No goals, no assists. Yeah, it doesn't get any worse than that. Blimey. <laughs> it's not good, but, but in terms of the assists, at least, I mean, it, it must be frustrating because he has created a lot of big chances, hasn't he? It's just that they haven't gone in. So you would think at least the good signs from the Leicester game, it felt a bit like the old positive Wolves that they were creating. It was frustrating that it was only really late on in the game that they actually tested Schmeichel. I mean, Neves had a great chance early on to need Matinho after his wonder goal the other day, put one over the bar. Both of them should have hit the target, you have to say that. And then it comes to poor old Fabio Silva, who, you know, you then look at and scrutinise because actually Wolves could have turned one point into three so easily. And 
he was in the right place, good movement, all the things we know he's good at. And it was a fabulous save by Schmeichel. That is what he does. But every ex striker who's looked at that they've all used the word dink he should have dinked it because there was a huge amount of space the other side of Schmeichel and he went for the very narrow angle where he came out and, and, and got his boot out to it oh Fabio I mean it's just a, it's just the same every time with him uh, missing sitters <laughs> it's I mean it's how you judge him depends on your on your disposition are, are you glass half full are you saying it's great he's getting in the positions great movement instinctive good awareness or are you saying oh my god he can't hit the proverbial cow's backside with the old banjo so um yeah again i feel sorry for him i know a lot of people don't but i do but yeah he's, he's got to score he's got to score it's a great save but he shouldn't be allowing him to make that save if william jose is wrapping his right foot around that then um then it's a goal i think so real shame real shame if if, if Jimenez plays Wolves win for me and if, if Vardy starts Leicester win it's probably the, it's probably where the two teams kind of fell down at the end of the day all oh, that chance at the end there for Jamie Vardy mm, in stoppage yeah. time from a brilliant Albrighton cross it was initially Semedo that was up against Vardy he didn't look at Vardy and his movement and see where he was and then Vardy great movement from him and he got in front of Dendonka who also didn't see where Vardy was and Vardy should have hit the target and they could have turned one point into three hence why I think Nuno's quite happy with his clean sheet and point at the end of it Absolutely, there is that as well. I, I like the team, though. I like that team. Hopefully, that team can stay together for a few matches now. Wolves have had no consistency in selection all season, and that's not going to breed consistency in results or performances. You know, as Nuno said on Friday, they're still trying to find their levels. I, I asked him, "You've missed Johnny and Doherty so much this season. Is that a key part of why you haven't had consistency? Because the wing backs are so important." And he said, it's not about trying to find consistency at the moment. It's about trying to find our levels from last season and get back to the levels that we're at. I thought we saw you know, some decent positive signs against Leicester in, in that regard. But I really hope this 11 can stick together now because Traore and Neto, they look great. If Jose can continue to get up to speed and add some goals, then Donka and Johnny, if they can continue in, in the defence for me while while Bolly's out for four weeks, Pedence's out for six. So we want some consistency now. There is a slight concern for me in midfield with Neves and Matinho if they're going to be the pair now for the next few weeks, because I don't think they're that effective as a pair together, and you do miss Dendonka's physical presence in midfield. So that's a slight concern. But on the whole, I like that team, and I want to see them play together week after week now. Yeah, absolutely. Something to build on. Nuno said it was a good game for us. There are many aspects to correct. I'm proud of the boys. In terms of the Fabio Silva chance, he said all credit to Schmeichel, but he must test him better in a more committed way. He's a talented boy, very young. He's learning, he's growing. And he said also on the defence, he said it's not perfect, but the priority was clear in our minds. We had to stabilise the team from behind. I'm very proud because we lost important players in our back line. Leander, what can I say about Leander? He's amazing how versatile, dedicated and committed he is. I'm very proud from there on. When we're able to stabilise, we will improve for sure. And he also had some praise for Adama, who I thought had a fabulous game. I love watching the bloke when he's like this. I mean, he can be, he can do it in in different sort of sections of each game, sometimes more than others. But he said, Adama's a unique player in the world. He's very, very special. He did well, foul after foul against him. He had a clear chance in the box. That's something we want to add to his game. He's committed to. So yeah, he did get in that, that goal scoring position. It was a brilliant, brilliant block by James Justin. He was fantastic throughout the match, wasn't he? But a lot of positive signs in that particular game and you're saying you think he's going to stick with this five going forwards and a really similar lineup maybe with Dendonka at the back 
for the next few weeks? I think so, yeah. I don't really like Saiz coming in there on the right of the three. You know, he was back on the bench against Leicester. But I, personally, I prefer uh, your natural right footer on, on the right, Cody, and, and, and Kilman on the left. Like I said, Kilman did very well as well. There's a nice balance to that team. And um, I think there's good potential there. Like I said, they took on a very good Leicester team and they did it pretty well. So good signs. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Come on to preview Wolves League and Cup double header with Southampton very shortly, as well as hear from your tweets and any other business. But first, we thought it would be interesting to hear some insight from a senior figure inside Wolverhampton Wanderers. How is the club actually operating during this latest lockdown? Who does what and how do they communicate? Matt Wilde spoke to us in episode 11 of the Molyneux View last March. Now, nearly 11 months later, some of us are still confined to barracks. Hello, Matt. Hi, Jackie. Okay. Well, thank you. I hope you've been let out now. Are you actually are you actually working at the club rather than having to homeschool three kids like you were last time? Yeah, no. I mean, I've been quite fortunate. So you know, I've been one of the lucky ones. I've been, I've been back at the training ground since last May. So I've uh, been part of the testing program, and you know, we've been very much sort of running the operation here. Obviously, under very different circumstances to what we'd normally operate under, but. You know, feel very, you know, very fortunate that I, I'm able to to carry on my job at work. Think, think very sorry for for a lot of people who are working at home still. Hopefully, we're not with the vaccine in rollout now. Hopefully, we'll be getting back to some normality soon. But it must be very tough for very tough for people. Yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? We're all trying to look forward. But I mean, when we last spoke to you, you were administration manager. Now you have a, a rather fancier title of general manager football operations. There's been a bit of a reshuffle, hasn't there? Is that a sort of promotion as such? Can we take the credit and um, just say yes, and that'll be fine? Well, yes, I think it's more, <laughs> I, I think it, I think the, the role in itself, and when, when I joined in 2017, and, and the club's grown and evolved, so is my job. I think it, it's definitely moved away from administration, the traditional function of a secretary, you know, to to looking at the support services, you know, of, of a Premier League football now. You know, you've got grounds, kit, laundry, the player care functions forever growing. The team now have security. You know, the, the canteen is such a big operation now. We're looking at more emphasis on logistics and organisation for match days for both home and away. Uh, so, so I think they've grown and therefore the, you know, the, the job's grown with it. Uh, I think there's a bigger emphasis, in particularly in my role now, on finance. You know, it's, it's a tough period for businesses and, you know, Wolves is no exception. We've, we've lost a lot of money over the last 12 months as a result of COVID. And I think it's important, therefore, that, you know, we keep monitoring our spend you know, ensure that we're staying in budget and, and the professional cost centre, which which I oversee, you know, is a very big part of that. You know, you've got operational costs, player salaries, transfer fees, you know, which, you know, run into the millions. So, you know, there's more of an increased focus, you know, in my role, you know, in monitoring like each department. And I, and I think one of the biggest changes since, you know, Laurie left and, and probably particularly Kevin, you know, in his role as sporting director, you know, there's more of a support function now to Jeff, you know, on the 
contractual side of it you know, in terms of you know, player acquisitions and re player renegotiations of the contracts, you know, which, you know, Jeff sort of formed this committee with him, uh, myself and Scott Sellers, who's now technical director, you know, and although Jeff's sort of the key decision maker, you know, I think it, it, it's great that Scott and I are able to, you know, feed into that, you know, with our thoughts. And I think that helps with the, you know, decision making process. I think the way we've been functioning over the last 12 months since Kevin left, I think it's worked well. You know, we, we've done a lot of renegotiation of contracts. You know, we've successful with Matt Kilman, Connor Cody obviously signed, Raul Jimenez, Pedro, Leander, you know, all signing new contracts and committing to the club as, as well as a number of, you know, younger players. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be more to come over the over the coming weeks and months. So, so it's, it's, it's a great job. You know, it, it really is so varied. It crosses over you know, nearly every department. You know, at this football club, and I think that, that's why I've, that's why I've stayed in it for so long. You know, I'll be 20 years this July. You sound like you're enjoying it, which is great. I mean, you have a background in accountancy, which sounds like it's it's very helpful as well. But how stressful is it without the income that you're used to having? Yeah, no, I think it's been, from the finance side of it, you know, that's important, you know, and we work very closely, myself and Jeff work closely with Henry, who's, our, who's head of finance now, and, and it's important, and you have to, you have to keep looking at it and watching the numbers and make sure we don't overspend, and not, and not just in the short term, you know, we're looking at, you know, a long-term model three to five years ahead, you know, so when we're looking at contracts, we have to make sure that, you know, it, it's sustainable, you know, that the club's sustainable, that, you know, when we're looking ahead in five years' time, the cash flow's there, but, you know, it, it, it's so important. So it, it, it's stressful. And, you know, and in, in the short term, you know, we're constantly facing new challenges with COVID. So, you know, it's it, it's highly pressured at the minute. And But, you know, I think we're all, I think we're all very fortunate that, that Premier League's been able to continue, you know, and, we got nineteen twenty finished, uh, with the with the numbers coming down, the, the infections coming down. We're hoping that we'll get twenty twenty one finished on time. So you know we're very, we're very lucky. Matt, how difficult is it to plan for kind of the year or or two years ahead when you don't know what your your income streams are going to be in terms of from fans being back in the stadium? Yeah, well, I think you know, we've just factored in no worst case. I think when we were looking at budgets, you know, when when I first spoke to you in March, we were looking at the budget for twenty twenty one. I think we wiped out, you know, we assumed there was going to be no no revenue from supporters for this season. So I, th I think that helps to sort of have a pessimistic approach and anything that comes your way, you know, if, if we were able to get fans back would be a bonus. Probably doesn't look like we will at the minute. Uh, so I think it's always, you know, important that you've got like a worst case scenario. I think 1920, we were fortunate in that we had the Europa League income. Obviously, we've not been fortunate with that for this season. Uh, but you know, it's, it's just adapting to the to the climate that we find ourselves in. So, I think we, you know, I think we've adjusted very well. You know, we're we're picking up now in the league. You know, we're still in the FA Cup, so I, I, I'm sure we'll be. You know, we'll finish in the top half of the league. So, I think you know, I think it would just be nice to get this season, you know, done and dusted, and hopefully we'll we'll get back to some normality for for 21, 22. Yeah, ideally with an FA Cup in the cabinet, that'd be quite handy, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be very nice, yes. <laughs> Especially after what happened the last time Wolves went to Wembley. We don't oh, need yeah, to talk right, about yeah, it. Yeah, I've still got images of the... Yeah, let's not talk about the same Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. That's awful. Um, so <laughs> how, how, I mean, it sounds like a really interesting role that you have. And how does it work, bearing in mind that you're at the training ground, I guess you see Nuno. Does he sort of bend your ear asking for 
asking for the maximum that he's allowed in terms of the lockdown situation and, and what you're allowed to do. For example, he's mentioned in his press conference about the canteen being an important part of the social element of bringing the players together. Is that something you have to then talk to the Premier League about and say, look, what can we do? Yeah, so we've, we've sort of had like a canteen gate, really. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's first of all saying that the, the communication and the consultation with the Premier League has been, it's been very, it's been fantastic, I think, throughout the throughout this period you know we've had over probably 30 shareholder meetings you know talking about issues you know from curtailment to you know the league finishing late looking at fixture calendars you know what does behind closed doors look like what happens when we get fans back you know and, and there's been regular captains meetings and managers meetings you know so, so connor would sit on those nuno would sit on them so so right the way throughout this process there's been numerous meetings for for people to feed in matt perry our club doctor sits on the medical working group there's been like a match day advisory group where all these protocols get talked about so i think nuno's been fortunate and he's had that forum to get to express his views obviously there's been there's been times particularly in this third lockdown where in, in order for us to keep going that you know the premier league have had to have had to tighten up on certain protocols you know we're now we're back to twice weekly testing. You know, we, we, there's more vigilance, especially at the training ground, around wearing of masks. And then, obviously, one of the issues was the the, the decision to, to close the canteen. And and it wasn't just Nuno. You know, we sat on various meetings, and it, it was a common consensus across the Premier League that you know we needed to to work to try and find a way to get the canteens back open because when you play twice a week, you know, part of the you, know, you need to recover, you need to refuel, you need to make sure they're eating correctly so food is such an important part of that so we, we work really closely with the Premier League and, and with Steve Sutton our head of operations and Ryan Boone uh, who's, who does all our risk assessments so we could get to a position where the Premier League were comfortable that we could reopen it safely with you know, people being socially distanced and having a maximum in our canteen and everyone having staggered eating time so fortunately we're, we're back open and running that, that full time and the players are in so that the protocols are, you know, are there for a reason. We need to protect. We need to protect us all, you know, and we want to keep the competition going. So, you know, we've got Premier League compliance officers at every single training session, you know, to make sure that the rules are being followed. You know, from for example, making sure that people wear masks around the building. You know, if players are out, for example, on the pitch and, you know, they're wearing bibs, you know, in, in small-sided games, making sure those bibs aren't recycled. Make sure they're going in a new, you know, in a bin for laundry and then getting some new bids out if, you know if a, if a new one's required there's a lot of operational you know rules that are going on behind the scenes that people probably aren't aware of that we're having to work with you know we've got perspex screens in our dressing room you know so that you know so that no one's you know on top of each other so it's uh, quite complex and um, matt just um just on transfers you mentioned you sort of got an, uh, an increased role in that you know over the past few years i mean for example the william jose deal could, could you kind of explain what, what what your sort of role would be in in, in that deal it's a good example william jose because I, I was looking at when we signed him and people asking about his visa and you know how's why is it taking so long to get his visa open, you know to come to england but i don't think people appreciated you know we, we were hit with this third lockdown but then brexit came into force as well on the 1st of January. So with, with William, it's quite complicated because now we have to get every player that's coming from outside the United Kingdom needs a work permit. You know, he was in Spain, so we had to apply for a governing body endorsement with him for the FA. 
we couldn't medical him in the UK, so we had to get a medical done in Spain. You know, you then have to apply for a certificate of sponsorship to the Home Office. You then have to submit his visa application. You know, we would ordinarily get a visa in Paris because you can turn a visa around in 24 hours in Paris, but we couldn't get him into France because of COVID. So we had to get the visa done in Madrid, which takes slightly longer. You then have to apply to the FA to get a quarantine exemption. He had to get a negative PCR test before we flew to England in order for him to be eligible for the Premier League. We, he then had to have a, a Prenetics test, which is the, the testing company that the Premier League use, in order for him to be eligible to play in Premier League games. So we had to get him tested as soon as he landed at the at Farnborough Airport. We had to have a nurse there to test him. You know, so I think I think it's such a long list of like tick boss. Yeah, of getting someone in. So you know, we were fortunate that we managed to get we managed to get all that in you know in time for Chelsea, but. Yeah, it's so much more complicated. Not not only with Brexit, I think that hit with COVID, it was complicated enough. But having Brexit hit at the same time, you know, and, we, and we've got a lot of EU nationals here. So I don't know if you've heard about the settlement status that you know everyone's got to sign up to by the first of June, I think it is this year. You know, so we 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 were busy sorting that out at the same time. Not players, but just their families as well, coaching staff and their families. Yeah, so it's been a sort of all come at once. Really. Blimey, there's so much more to it. This is why it's good to hear from you, Matt, because we from the outside have no idea what you're dealing <laughs> oh, with. Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, is there anything else that you would think people, like fans yeah. and, and people who just watch football on the telly, who are shouting things at the telly, have no idea what really goes on and, and the complex nature of the process of running a club? Well, we sort of spoke about training. I think I think match day is another, another area, I think people are a bit limited about about what goes on. I mean, it's so restricted, you know, our match day, Premier League match day protocols, you know, we, we, there, there's like a red zone, an amber zone and a green zone. So in the red zone, you know, you're, you're limited on the personnel you can have in there. So you can have 36, you know, red zone personnel. And if you bear in mind that 20 of those are players, you know, that, that only leaves 16 people for your coaching staff, for medical, for security analysis kit. You know, so it's very, very restrictive. You know, so when we go away now, you know, we have to. Some people are sacrificed. You know, we only take one kit man. You know, and everyone else just has to, you know, help it help along. At hotels, we have to get all the hotel staff tested before we arrive, which means we have to get, you know, tests sent out to them so that they can conduct the lateral flow test. They can establish if anyone's positive. You know, we have to. A lot of hotels, for example, particularly in London, are shut, so we have to see if they're open for us. You know, if there's if there's other key workers at the hotel, can we have a floor to ourselves? Can we have a low floor so we have to use a lift? If if that's not possible, can we have our own lift if there's other people staying there? You know, are the function rooms big enough for us to social distance? You know, there's so many there's so many like variants with it. And and when I when I said about the Premier League being at every training session, obviously they've got compliance officers at every match as well. So. Me and Steve Sutton, Matt Perry, we you know we always have to be vigilant that you know they don't want shirt swapping. You know people have got to be wearing masks all the time. Even when players are in the dressing room, not milling about, you know they have to have a mask on. Uh, you know they'll be looking at you know other areas to make sure that people are sat in the right places. And you know so it's very much match balls are being cleaned when they go out. So there's, there's there's so much that goes on sort of behind behind the scenes. And I think I think I drive players crazy. I'm like Connor. I'm on party messaging. Wow. Can't say anything. No, we can't do this. We can't do that. And if if I've seen a couple of players, 
swapping shirts. I'll be like, I like, I get the CCTV footage from my stadium. I'm standing in a picture, and they're like, oh my god, you're like the COVID police and stuff. <laughs> but it's so important, you know. We need, we need to make sure that you know we, we are sticking to the, we are sticking to the rules because you know we're in a privileged position to to keep playing. And how useful is it having a captain such as Connor, who is such a good communicator, to be able to use as a conduit for all these all these nuggets of information and, and things that you need to pass on? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean, like like I said, we've got you know, we've got a big first team WhatsApp group, but then you know we're because we work so closely together, at the training ground's not that big. You know, so I speak to Connor most days, and you know we can liaise over various issues, COVID related, and he's very good. He'll always communicate out to he's got a separate group with his players that he'll put stuff in there and if I'm saying you know you know Connor we need to tone down the goal celebration you know because you're not supposed to be hugging it's easier said than done but he'll he'll try and put the message across and you, you I mean you probably won't notice this but you know when we score against West Brom you know that the players are sort of congratulating each other and I can see Connor sort of going well I'll tone it down a bit I can sort of see him actually trying to do it on the pit so he's very he's very good with them I mean he's a fantastic captain you know, to work with. It makes the job so, so much easier. And what about in terms of, you've got all these players, a lot of them new from Portugal, and now William Jose from Spain, and, and they're used to being able to go around each other's houses. They have this community that we've talked about before, and Tim's written a lovely piece about in Compton and Tettenhall. And how difficult is that in terms of what they can and can't do and explaining to them what they can and can't do, and uh, but still maintaining that sense of unity that, that Nuno and the team needs and is essential for their well-being? Well, I think we're, I mean, obviously fortunate, but we're playing so often that, you know, there's not many, there's not many days off, you know, so, you know, they're pretty much here, you know, full time anyway. So I, th I think that's helped. I think, you know, we spoke about before, you know, people have days off, you know, well, what, what can they do on their day off? A lot of these players, like you say, are on their own, you know, so I think, I think in some respects it makes more sense for them to be here and be within the group and be amongst people. Uh, I think I think Willian's sort of been he's had, he's had a similar experience I think with our Sociedad they're operating in a bubble similar protocols uh, but I think even he you know as soon as he arrived and I'm sending him like documents in Spanish about what you can do and what you can't do and you know I think they've got a good support you know people are helping them with you know particularly Willian making sure he's okay that you know he's in a hotel at the minute trying to find him accommodation making sure he's got everything he needs and they're a good group, you know, they speak to each other. I know, I know they're speaking to each other, you know, virtually. Uh, so I think they're, they're, they're getting on with they're getting on really well with it. That's good. And hopefully they're getting into the um, the trash TV that you and Connor Cody like so much. I notice on your on your personal page on yeah, the website, no, yeah, that's what you're into yeah. when you're not when you're not doing well, your that's job. That's it, in a minute, when we're not working. And, I, and I've never watched so many box sets, you know, I think that's... Yeah, you just need Love Island to come back and then that'll, that'll occupy you fully. Well, that, that'll be it now. Yeah, it will. It will. <laughs> Brilliant, Matt. Thanks so much for coming on and giving us that kind of insight as to how it works at the club in these, these crazy times, which we hope are not going to last for too much longer. Certainly not beyond the season. Thank you. Good stuff. Thanks a lot. And if you want to know further details of who does what at Wolves, it is on their official website. You go to the club banner on the front page, click Wolves, About Us and Management Team. And then that's where you get the details of what um, the likes of Matt actually do for their job. And in their spare time, in his case, it's a case of uh, Love Island and uh, all the fun stuff like that to really be able to switch off. But interesting stuff there, Tim, about what goes on behind the scenes that, that we couldn't possibly know about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it... 
such a busy guy, as you said, and such an important role at the club. And uh, what really struck me was the amount that to do with transfers is just crazy. I mean, you could see why Wolves weren't expecting Willian to make his debut at Chelsea, even though they'd basically signed him, what, three, four days earlier? I mean, there's so much to do, so much paperwork, so many things to get approval on. You know, talking about him going to bloody Paris before coming to for the visa or whatever it was before before coming over here. It's just crazy. So, yeah, and people on Twitter, as soon as they see those transfer links and they're like, announce Jose, announce Willian. Yeah, maybe give it a few days next time because there's, there's so much to do. Now, you may have noticed that there's a lot of talk about Phil Foden at the moment who helped Manchester City beat Liverpool 4-1 at Anfield on Sunday night. So he scored a wonderful goal. It was a wonderful performance, but... Just three years and three months ago, he was starting in the final of the under-17s FIFA World Cup alongside a certain Morgan Gibbs-White. Now, in contrast, Morgan came on in the 88th minute at the weekend to, shall we say, mixed response from a lot of Wolves supporters who certainly haven't seen the best of him yet in a Wolves shirt. He started one game since his return on loan from Swansea. And Tim, did you know that he hasn't ever ever completed a full 90 minutes in the league for Wolves. He's now 21 years of age. So was it the right decision to recall him, first of all, from Swansea? Uh, I think at the time, yes. It was after that Brighton game where Nuno didn't want to make any subs because he had a he had a bench full of kids and gives what was back to full fitness. Wolves had Pedence and Dendonka out at the time. They were short of options in midfield or in the hole. So it made sense to call back their player at that time, and Catroni as well at that time, because they were just so they had no bench. They had no bench at all. They had seven, I think seven players out injured. At that time, yes. At the end of January and looking towards the rest of the season, if Wolves are going to be playing 3 4 3 and Morgan Gibbs White is going to be getting five minutes out of position at the end of every game, then he's back to square one in terms of his development. And at this stage of his career, he'd benefit more from being at Swansea, I think, if that's the way it's going to go for the rest of the season. I mean, looking at the way they've developed since. Pep Guardiola is getting a lot of credit for the way he's brought Phil Foden in for fits and starts here and there. And he's been talked a lot about in terms of England in the summer for the Euros. In terms of Morgan Gibbs-White, I mentioned he never completed a full 90 minutes in the league for Wolves. He has, of course, played in the Cups and he has, of course, played in the Europa League. And he has scored for Wolves, just not in the league. But he hasn't scored from 36 Premier League appearances seven starts. Phil Foden has now played 10 full 90 minutes in the Premier League for Manchester City with 11 league goals from 58 Premier League appearances. Now it's unfair perhaps to directly compare them but you can see why I'm trying to do precisely that in terms of his development. I mean how do you think he would feel right now about how he's been developed at Wolves? Well number one the Foden Comparison. I mean, Foden's a once-in-a-generational talent, potentially. I mean, you know, you've seen people talking about him being the most talented English young player since Wayne Rooney, which kind of shows you the level he's at. But what is interesting is the comparison with how many minutes they've played in the Premier League. And Gibbs White's on 800, and Phil Foden's almost three times that on 2,200. So he's got three times as many minutes in a very, very good team, and he's obviously learning very quickly. Gibbs White, seven Premier League starts in his career. Foden 23. So the key for Gibbs White is playing football and he's not doing that at Wolves. He was doing that at Swansea at the start of the season and I went to watch him and um, I spoke to someone 
uh, really kind of respected in the game, a senior football figure who watches a lot of championship football. And he said Gibbs White was probably the best player in the league for the opening month of the season. You know, that's how good he was. Yeah, he started their first four championship games before his injury. Which was the most consecutive starts he'd ever made in his career. And it was no coincidence that he was in his best position in the 10, starting every week and doing very well for a team that was in sort of top six, maybe approaching top two of the championship before he got his injury. So the key to any any development is playing and being at the right club. And in years to come, we'll see how those uh, under-17 World Cup winners, you know, their careers were charted. I mean, Rian Brewster won the Golden Boot in that tournament and he hasn't scored in 20 appearances for Sheffield United this season. So there's no kind of set path everyone everyone goes down the different journey but I think the best journey for Gibbs White this season was going out and playing football a full season at Swansea in the 10 where he was dictating play would have been perfect unfortunately circumstances have meant that he's injured for three months and now back at Wolves the biggest issue for him at Wolves for me is he doesn't fit into a 3-4-3 which is the system they play more often than not he's never been played in central midfield which is where I'd like to see him play, personally. He's often out wide as one of the wide forwards. I've never, correct me if I'm wrong, and anyone who's listening, I'm sure they will, I've never seen him play well in a wide position for Wolves. It's not his position. I remember Besiktas away, he got hauled off after 70 minutes, he barely touched the ball, he was, it was just not his position. He's best between the lines in a central area, playing through balls, getting his head up, being positive, little one-twos, he's got great technique. The talent is there, and you speak to people at Wolves' academy over the past kind of 10 years, he's the best, the best they've produced. But when you look at, and he's, tw- he's turned 21 now, you look at what Neto is doing at 20, you look at what Neves had done by that age, you know, if, if he's going to join Wolves on this top-level Premier League adventure, it's, it, it's got to happen pretty quickly. You know, you look at their opponents on Sunday, Leicester, Madison's 24, Barnes is 23... If he's going to be at their level, it's got to come over the next two years and that's got to come with playing regularly. So if they do switch between the two formations and he plays 4-2-3-1 with Pedence out now, he may get his chance in the hole a bit more. Um, But either he's going to have to leave to further his career or he's going to have to change positions if Nuno's going to continue with this formation. I'd like to see him in a flat four. I think he's got I think he's got potential in that area to develop, but Nuno doesn't trust him in there at the moment, and he's going to play Matinho, Neves, and Dendonka ahead of him. You know, we, we know that, and that makes complete sense because they're proven in that area. So it's such a shame. You know, he, he started the season so well that that was that was going to be it for him. I, I really thought he was going to kick on. He might not have come back to Wolves, but you know, he might have really really launched his career at, at Swansea, and it's not happened, and now he's back to square one a bit. So um, uh, it's it's an unfortunate situation. Yeah, you can see it from all angles. You can see it from Nuno's. He has given him opportunities in terms of other cup competitions and, and dribs and drabs in the league. You can see it from his point of view. He'd probably like to start regularly in a certain position to be able to get that familiarity and with, with maybe a couple of strikers ahead of him, as has been the way at Swansea. And um, But also from the fans' point of view, I can imagine some fans kind of shouting at their digital devices going, but when he has come on, he hasn't necessarily shown enough to warrant those starts. Would you agree with them on that? Well, it's sort of chicken and egg, isn't it? You know, the, 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 kid, needs, the kid needs regular starts. He needs five, ten starts in a row to really show us, to start to show us what, what he can do. But equally, yeah, he does need to do more off the bench to, to earn his place in that team. Equally, he's not playing in his favoured position. So he either needs to go to another club where he can play in the ten 
or he needs to he needs to remodel his game. So um, he's kind of stuck between all three at the moment. And you know they bought Vitinha in the season, who's not getting game time. And I saw a lot of fans complaining that Vitinha should have come on instead of Gibbs White for Neto at the weekend. I thought Nuno was really playing for nil nil at that point and um, take off Neto and replace him with Gibbs White, who he probably trusts more to def- to defend from the front than Vitinha. I think that's fair enough, really. So. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Southampton, you may get a chance against Southampton. We'll see how strong Nuno goes. I suspect he probably won't. But yeah, he looks like he's going to be stuck in a bit of a rut for the rest of the season as, as it stands. And it's a big summer ahead for his future as to where he goes and plays his football. Because at the moment, it's not going to be at Wolves. Yeah, and interesting, they have the option on loan at Vitinha as well. If they turn that into a permanent move, then, you know, they're kind of vying with each other, aren't they there? Um but also, I mean, it just sprung to mind. Remember what happened with Mark Davis? It just never quite happened for him at Wolves. He just didn't get the game time that he wanted. And he went on to Bolton and made a really good career. I know it's a different level, but it's still relative that Wolves never saw the best of him for whatever reason. And what you don't want is, you know, the talent is there. You just don't want him to go to another club and suddenly absolutely, I don't know, say Southampton for the sake of argument, and then absolutely smash it. And it becomes a, a top Premier League player. And then everyone goes, hang on a minute. Why didn't he do it at Wolves? Why wasn't he given the opportunity? So it is a difficult one. You're right, but sometimes a fresh start is what a player needs. Sometimes sometimes it's you, you put your hands up and say, it's not going to work for me at this club due to maybe not getting on with the manager or maybe just not fitting in with the system. You know, I bet, bet Benfica fans are wondering, why the hell did we let Raul Jimenez go? I bet Lazio fans are saying, oh my God, Pedro Neto didn't start a game for us. Look how good he is. You know, we've let him go to Wolves for 16 million. So, so sometimes a fresh start is what you need. And at the moment, it's heading down that way for Gibbs White. Okay, which would be a real shame because he's come through the academy since what eight years old, and, and I know they really, really want it to work out for him, but at the moment it's hard to see. Yeah, and I, it would be quite a novelty to maybe see an English player score in the Premier League for Wolves because it's been over two years now since an Englishman did that. Ryan Bennett in the four-three win over Leicester at Molyneux in January 2019. It, it is extraordinary; it hasn't happened since. And Southampton next we get to see them twice in the next few days are we lucky <laughs> in league and cup so next up on thursday night on bt sport they will be playing in the fa cup and then on sunday at 12 noon which is very early uh, to be playing away at southampton in the premier league that's on amazon prime by the way so when you're watching that make sure you switch off all your notifications so you don't get goal news before you see it on the telly which I find really frustrating when that happens switch it all off but I mean what, what do you think Wolves priority will be do you think it'd be getting three points in the Premier League and you know shifting a place or two up or do you think it would be potentially a place in the FA Cup quarterfinals yeah uh, I mean Nick Turner tweeted us with that question you know with the injury list growing uh, thoughts on whether we should go for the cup or concentrate on the league uh, I don't think Nuno will prioritize either personally I think he'll I think he'll play a strong team in the cup. I think Ruddy will be in goal, but otherwise it might be the same team. Maybe I think they're I think they're safe now. I think I think that win over Arsenal, combined with no signs of any of the bottom three, you know, putting together a run of form. I don't see them. I don't see them getting sucked into a relegation battle. I don't think they're in one at this moment in time either. I think I think they're okay for now. But but that's not going to mean that Nuno's going to play strongest eleven in the cup and then rest a few for the league. I think he'll play strongest available team in both, if I was going to guess. But yeah, I mean, we said this. Um, we said this before the, before just after the third round that this can be this can save Wolves this season really and and make it a really memorable one. And who knows, there might be fans at Wembley for the final in May. You know the way things are going, and you know what a fantastic kind of thing to 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 play for. And with 
Man City and others in, involved in so many competitions and it's going to be such a hectic end to the season, then if Wolves if Wolves can put a run together in the FA Cup, then they've got a really decent chance. And we know what a good cup team they are. And I'm sure after bigging them up, they're going to lose on Thursday. But no, I, I, do, I, do, I do quite fancy them to take a, a depleted and uh, very low on confidence Southampton team. Um, obviously, they've got they've got some decent strengths. They'll trouble Wolves with their four four two, but at home, I would fancy Wolves to progress. Yeah, I mean Southampton five Premier League defeats in a row. They've conceded eighteen goals in those five yeah. games. They conceded twelve in the last two games. Nine at Manchester United, though they were down to ten men after the second minute when Alex Jankovic was sent off, and they conceded three in the first half at Newcastle, which Newcastle haven't scored three in the first half in the Premier League since about 2015, I think. Um, and Bednarek, of course, was sent off when they were 6-0 down at Manchester United, wrongly sent off. So it all went wrong for them that day. They didn't manage to pick it up at Newcastle, but they do have a very good manager. And it's not often that a manager concedes nine goals twice in the space of 18 months or so and is still highly thought of. He is. Now, Takumi Minamino scored a wonderful, a really good quality goal at Newcastle, but he'll be cup-tied because he has played for Liverpool this season. Um, but he, you would think, would play on Sunday in the league. They're talking about awful defending, stop conceding goals. The manager's saying that's the key of winning, missing goals from our strikers. Ings, the unlucky, he says. Defence has to be stabilised. We need to find the reset button, says Ralph Hasenhuttl. And we have no time to train. We're just playing games. But they do have defender Yannick Vestergaard back. He came back for the Newcastle game after seven weeks out. Oriol Romeu was out for a month until the end of January. Uh, he's back, but they're not getting goals at the moment. Danny Ings, one goal in his last 10, or one in the last 11, if you don't include his penalty. Nathan Redmond, one goal in his last 22. Shea Adams, formerly of Birmingham fame, no goals in his last 11. And James Ward-Prowse has scored four Premier League free kicks already this season. So, I mean, they know where the dangers are. They know what those players can do. And they really need to be careful about not conceding sloppy free kicks or having them bought against them on the edge of the box. Remember that one at home to Newcastle, which cost them dear when Cody was, I think, unfairly adjudged to to have um, fouled Callum Wilson. It's those kind of things they need to be really careful of in this game, hey? That's definitely a factor. Don't give them any free kicks in the kind of 20 to 30 yard range. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, yeah, we can talk about Southampton's atrocious defensive record for two hours but if you want a clean sheet you come to Molyneux because uh, Wolves don't score many goals so um, not not anticipating a classic and as if you look at the Premier League form table of the last six games Southampton are bottom and Wolves are 17th Southampton have scored four in six and Wolves have scored five in six so the potential for lots of goals is not great however when Southampton came to Molyneux uh, in October Wolves tried out their fancy new 4-2-3-1 formation, which you may have heard us speaking about for the first time that day. And Wolves really got at them. And I remember the two wing-backs playing really well. Samedo had a good game that day. I think Nori was on the other flank as well and did well. And that's what I want to see that again. I want to see that positive intent from the opening from the opening minutes. You know, they eased their way into the game against Leicester, which was, which was respect to the opposition, and rightly so. Against Southampton, they're so low on confidence. If you score a goal early, then you can Wolves can have a bit of fun. Imagine that. Score a few goals. Maybe a nice little cheeky 2-0, 3-0 win. That'd be great. But, they, but they've got to take the initiative. They can't let Southampton get a foot in the game and get their confidence back because that's the main issue here. Look look at Awful. Surrendered against Man United. People were sort of saying, oh, you know, the red cards and oh, you know, feel sorry for them and they didn't play that bad. They lost 9-0. 
That was atrocious. That's going to be in their minds still. Losing to a really poor Newcastle team as well at the weekend against nine men. So Wolves, Wolves have got, got to take advantage of that. The amount of teams that have taken advantage of Wolves' uh, vulnerability in recent weeks, it's now time to turn the tables. They didn't do it against West Brom. They've got to do it now. No, you're right. And I think an early goal for Wolves would absolutely help that and, and what it could do psychologically. On Sunday, by the way, you know that Conor Cody missed his only Premier League game under Nuno um, in that return fixture, which was when Wolves tried out the back four. We don't know if it's because... Connor was missing, having had to self-isolate previously when on international duty. But it will be Connor's 100th Premier League appearance and it will be his 99th for Wolves because he came on as an 88-minute substitute for Liverpool at Fulham eight seasons ago. But congratulations in advance to Connor for his 100th Premier League appearance. Any tweets, Tim? Uh, Paul Mansell, our athletic quiz championne, has asked, uh, what's the latest with Saïs and his contract? Would you keep him for next season and in what capacity? So, yeah, Saïs is out of contract in the summer, but Wolves have got a one-year option. And, of course, they will take that option up. You know, they're not going to let him leave on a free if the option's in their favour. So um, I'd, I'd be stunned if they didn't, because even if they decided they want to move him on, you know, they want to get a fee for him. So they'll they'll give him that, that option for the, another year. And then we'll see what happens with him in the summer. But... Um, I I think as a first choice defender going forward, you know, Wolves Wolves will have to upgrade in that position. I think I think they need a, t- a top class centre half to come in in the summer. I think that should be their priority. We've discussed this before, but Saez, I would I wouldn't be letting him go. I think he's a really good squad player. He's a really good personality. A really nice guy to have around the group as well. He's popular. They all like him a lot, and he can play in a number of positions. And judging by his dress sense, he clearly has a personality. <laughs> Which, which must add something to the squad. Do you remember when he showed up at the end of season awards dressed all in bling, wasn't it? It was, was dressed more like Michael Jackson than he was a footballer. It was extraordinary. But good. Like it. Like it. Matt Lake asks, with Neto's standards increasing week upon week, what is the likelihood of a richer club like Man City putting forth an offer? And would you be open to sell him for a high price to reinvest in the squad? No, no, no. We, no, we had we had this debacle with Jota last summer, and the problems they've had. Sort of, and I know he's Jota's replacement effectively, but the reinvestment in the squad, you know, hasn't gone very well for this season, has it? So, no, we're not ready for that. Liam Gallagher can do one. We're, it's absolutely, absolutely no way. Uh, it's it's only been as good as it, it's only been a few months. Traore, had, Traore has been talked about across the world for his six month purple patch. So, um, so yeah, he's not he's not um, he's not guaranteed to go to a massive club yet. And Wolves have had offers and inquiries for all their players over the years. Neves, Jimenez, Traore, the lot. And they're all on long contracts for a reason. So um, I think he's I think he's having a phenomenal year. I, I tweeted um, a couple of months ago, I think he'll be, he's an outside chance to be nominated for Young Player of the Year, which would be an unbelievable achievement for a Wolves player. So fingers crossed he can continue this form and, and get, in that, get in that short list. I mean, there's some massive competition for that, but, um, but that would be fantastic. He's doing brilliantly. He's only 20 and he's playing every single week. It's absolutely the place for him to develop. The problem is, from a Wolves perspective, every single Wolves game is live on TV, which normally they're not, are they, when when we don't have uh, lockdown. So that's a problem. So stop looking at him anyway. Um, <laughs> any other business? Luke Matheson doing well at Ipswich. Great to see him get a move to a good League One club. Ipswich uh, having, a, having a toughish season, but you know they're pushing for playoffs. So... Um, yeah, great to see him get get some game time. Dion Sanderson's doing okay as well at Sunderland. I think he's he's in and out of the teams. He's got competition for places, but he's been playing at centre half at Sunderland, and I've seen some rave reviews about about his performances as well. 
So yeah, good to see some of these guys getting minutes. Rafa Mir just continues to score goals as well, having a great impact in La Liga, which is an interesting one. Um, so yeah, all good. Now, Elise Evans of the um, newly formed BBC Wolverhampton, she's great to see they have that on. She tweeted the other day, I'm from Wolverhampton, but I've never dot, dot, dot. And I replied that I've never been to the race course or to Speedway or to the dogs, which I'm slightly ashamed about. And I was humiliated by my fellow Wolfrunians on Twitter for particularly never having been to the Speedway. Have you been? Is it a really good night out? Speedway? I used to go every single Monday. Every I sort of went home and away with my dad one season. Yeah, we were really into it. That's brilliant. So... So what am I missing and why should we all go when we can? I remember going to Speedway, uh, first time I ever went, and my dad was like, I'll go and get us some drinks. So I went to the bar and I saw this this bottle of orange juice behind the bar. I was like, oh, can I have a bottle of hooch, please? <laughs> Bearing in mind, I was about 10 years old. <laughs> uh, they were like, have you got any idea? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, anyway, no, the, the, the Speedway's great. I've never done the, I've never done the dogs. Um, so I'm with you there. I've done the horse racing. The horse racing is good, but yeah, we should we, we should do the definitely do the dogs one day. I think good definitely. Night, yeah. I need to spend a, a week or two of my summer holiday in Wolverhampton. That's what needs to happen. I need to go and see all the sights. Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I'm missing it. I really am. I enjoyed your video on Wandering Wolf with Mark and Craig. I did not know that Dave Harrison, the legendary journalist, was your neighbour. Is that right? Uh, not neighbour, but I was friends. I was friends with his uh, with his son in school. So yeah, he was he was a journalist at the News of the World, um, Dave Harrison. So you've you've got him to blame for me for me getting into the industry basically. Um, but yeah, no, um, really nice chat with uh, Mark Rhodes of Pop Stars or Pop Idol fame. I can't remember which one it was now, but everyone will remember how massively famous he was. And he still presents uh, Crackerjack with Sam, his friend on um, on BBC Kiss TV. They're a lovely guy. They've set up a new venture, as you say, Wandering Wolf. Um, having a chat about the wolves because no one else does that at the moment do they <laughs> no who would do that <laughs> uh, also uh, I spoke to Theo Delaney's Life Goals podcast which was out on Monday about my misspent youth following wolves around the country and they made me choose my most painful goal scored against wolves as well which I'm not going to tell you about you'll have to um, you have to have a listen if you um if you want to know which one it was, you can, you can probably guess. I've talked about it on here before. Anyway, uh, don't forget, if you would like to gorge yourselves on Tim's Fine Wolves content, then you must be a subscriber. So go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolvespod. It's just £3.99 a month for the first six months. So that's less than a pound a week. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Bab. See you next week. And thank you to Matt Wilde as well for joining us. We'll be back same time next week, Tuesday morning, in your regular podcast inbox, by which time Wolves could be in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and three points closer to Europe and or further away from relegation, depending on the tint of your glasses. Bye for now. The Athletic.